from New York State, welcome to Mark to Markets. I'm your host, Mark Penzener. On this podcast, we discuss issues near and far from personal finance. As always, you can reach me directly in my office at 212-969-6655 or email me at mark.penzener at bernstein.com. As most of you know who are regular listeners, the, the conversation on the last few podcasts has all been about the coronavirus and COVID-19, its impact on the markets and in other parts of our world and society. One of the industries most acutely hit by it has been the hospitality and restaurant industry. And I, I know a number of you have been asking and wondering what the future looks like in that space. And the person I know who is probably most qualified to talk about that is Josh Goodman. Josh, thanks for joining me today. Mark, always a pleasure, no matter how often we speak. So, so to give you some backdrop on Josh, Josh has been in the New York City restaurant business for over 20 years. He's worked at places you know like Gallo Green, the McKittrick Hotel, Balthazar, Pastis, Schiller's, Miss Lily, and most recently on the senior team at uh, Franchette. Josh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Franchette won the James Beard Award for Best New Restaurant in America for 2019, right? Yes. Yes, uh, we did. And so that New York downtown Tribeca restaurant has quickly become an institution on the New York dining scene. And, and I, I know, and we all know that the New York dining scene has gone through a transformative um, last few months to, to the downside. And I guess that's the simple question to ask is how, how are things for Franchette and, and how are things in the restaurant business in general? Uh, thanks, Mark. Um... Well, obviously things are not great. Probably as challenging a time as uh, certainly I can remember, but but just for the restaurant industry in general, I'd say it's our most challenging time uh, ever, certainly in the modern era. Um, we're faced with challenges that seemed unimaginable even uh, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, frankly, we're all still um, trying to see a path forward. Uh, particularly in New York City, you know, uh, other parts of the country I can't speak for, but in New York City, um, it, it just seems like it's going to be a, a struggle to survive for many, many places. Uh, and um, we're just trying to find a pathway forward, frankly. So uh, let me ask about the, the New York City restaurant scene and where it stands today. We know that throughout this, and it seems like more and more every day reading my local papers, more restaurants are doing takeout. Is that a sustainable business model for restaurants? And, and I know restaurants run the gamut from your local Chinese takeout place to the exquisite work you guys do at Franchette. How does takeout figure into this? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, suppose anything helps. And, you know, depending on your situation, you might be able to sustain yourself if you massively cut uh, certain things, renegotiate with your landlord, uh, you know, work on your uh, insurance payments, work on your, your bank payments, whatever it may be. Uh, but in terms of uh, Frenchette, you know, a takeout and delivery model, which we haven't started, although we're, we're trying to put something together in the next few weeks, you know, our overhead just doesn't allow for it to really sustain us. Um, the one reason why we are going ahead and trying it is because, you know, we were able to 
access this PPP loan, which, you know, is a whole other conversation, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But, um, you know, our model is experiential, right? You come into this restaurant and you, you look around, you feel a certain way. And with takeout and delivery, uh, it just, it's, you know, it just doesn't really, um, uh, you know, it's lot. not the franchise experience, right? It's it's not why people go to restaurants like franchise. No, and obviously, it's um, it impacts your sustainability for, uh, massively. You mentioned that you got a PPP loan. We talk with on this podcast and generally lots of business owners who have gotten PPPs. Your business is different. You're a restaurant. You're not making widgets. Are there? specific rules around a PPP for restaurants? Because my understanding is a PPP goes to rent and paying your employees. But if you're closed, how do you pay your employees? So maybe it'd be interesting to learn how PPPs are, are nuanced around restaurants. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, it's not that there are different rules for restaurants per se. There aren't. The rules for PPP are the same for any business. However, if your business is not operational, which obviously in New York City, restaurants are, cannot be operational right now to the extent of in-restaurant dining, which is what we do. Uh, how are you going to hire back 100 employees when you're not open? Um, it's not only that, you take them off unemployment, hire them back, you have till June 30th uh, to use the money. So then in our situation, you'd be forced to fire everyone again or lay them off, I should say. They'd have to try to get back on unemployment. It's it's sort of a mess. You could see how it just does not work. And not only that, in order to qualify for forgiveness, you have to hire back close to 80% of your employees. So it's not like you could just get forgiveness for what you use. Uh, you have to hire back all these people. So it forces you into this like catch-22, which Frenchette and many, many other restaurants are grappling with um every day and just um just one more thing about the ppp you know i was on a, a web call today with uh, senator chuck schumer who was addressing you know restaurateurs about this very topic and they're trying he says they're trying and it looks good that they're going to alter the ppp but certainly it's not a done deal and certainly the uh senate is going to make some changes that will not um, probably help us out, you know, right now, just not to get into a whole thing, but right now you have till June 30th to use it. The idea from the, uh, house, which was passed was to, uh, extend this. So you have 24 weeks. So you have, you know, triple the time to use it. So probably it'll land somewhere in the middle. He thinks hopefully if it gets passed, which will help of course, but, uh, you could see just in this five minute ex explanation how, how sort of it's complicated, right? Complicated and difficult and gut wrenching all of this is, uh, even after receiving this loan, which a lot of businesses haven't received. And, and it, it may be worthwhile for one second just to kind of go to restaurants 101. I, I go into a restaurant, I meet the host, I see a bartender, I see a waiter, I know there are chefs, but can you speak a little bit about? the amount of people in the back of the house that the, the diner never sees that are the, the blood and guts of what makes a restaurant work. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's a team. It's a real, real big team. I mean, our overhead and our team is uh, is gigantic. I mean, on any given night at Frenchette, you have – well, just to give you an idea, we have an 85-seat restaurant with uh, 13 bar stools, and we have 115 employees. Now, not all those employees are are full-time, but at any given night, you have, you know, three bartenders, six servers, five bussers, three runners, 10 people in the kitchen, three dishwashers, two managers, a maitre d', two hosts. I mean, it, you know, uh, and that's just the labor for one night. So you could very quickly see how, the costs of operating uh, a restaurant just from labor uh, and, you know, and just by the seats, it's, you're looking at uh, a very, very thin, uh, thin margin, even for the busiest of, uh, even if we're really busy. This is the, the $64,000 question, which I know you don't have an answer to. Nobody does, but you're on these calls with lots of important people. Is there, a return plan for for dining restaurants for your takeout for a minute is, is there a time frame what will that look like does anyone have a here's what we think is going to happen here's the best case here's a worst case for what the future looks like you know i think i think uh in talking with uh you know my partners uh riyad nasser and lee hansen uh every day and, and our management team uh it's you look i think it's gonna be tricky uh, you have to obviously consider your your ppe for all your staff, which is gloves, masks, uh, temperature checks, testing. There's that aspect, right? And then there's the um, the diner diner experience. You know, we're looking at ways to really limit interaction, which is crazy because we've built ourselves on on that high touch service. You know, you want to uh, help the guests navigate the wine list, talk to them about the the menu items. Uh, you know, get them to maybe try things that they, they haven't really tried in, in the past. Uh, check, check in on them. Make sure that they're enjoying themselves. And now today's meeting, strangely, was about how we don't interact with the guests. Like, how can we not talk to people? Can they just order by texting the server? The server maybe doesn't even have to come into work. They could just sit on their phone and get the order uh, via text. I mean, just crazy stuff that we're thinking like, oh, my gosh, we basically have to almost do the Costanza, do the opposite of <laughs> everything you want to do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy, but, and when will that but, even work? What will the appetite be for that? Will people be into that? It's, it's just upside down crazy. Uh, you know, what we're thinking about doing to make people feel comfortable. So, and is there, so, so let's say the city opens up tomorrow, which I know it's not going to, but we're talking about New York city here. And I know it's different in different parts of the country, but, the related question is, if the city's open tomorrow and your restaurant's allowed to open its doors, it, it's not clear that people are going to be comfortable going into the restaurant. So is there a, a percent capacity or if the state or if the city or state says you, you can only be at 25 percent capacity where you say the math just doesn't work? Like, I can't run this restaurant with social distancing. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's 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 a question that. Um is is contingent on a lot of things first and foremost is the ppp if the ppp gets changed and we can use these funds with a little more latitude and a little less um of a of, of a deadline right in our face 
that helps. Uh, our landlord has been really, really um, decent and, and helpful. And we feel like we're, we're very close to negotiating some sort of um, new uh, interim lease that, that we can have a shot at surviving. You know, it, it, it's just, it's those things, those two main things, I think that will answer that question. Because if, if those things don't change, we I mean, we close. There's no, we'd have to close at 25 or 40 or 50% capacity. But that's not just a Frenchette issue, right? I would guess that not just fine dining, but but tons of in-dining establishments. Yeah, I mean, we, we, have a, we have a decent uh, rent deal. There are some places where rent is, over 10% of their revenue. I mean, it's, you know, I, unless they, like I said, unless their landlord decent like ours is being, um, they have no chance, no shot. So you're talking about, about the rent side. The other side is your purveyors, the supply chain for restaurants. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we've heard stuff in the news about um, grocery stores and what their supply chain looks like. How is, I'm assuming you talk to your purveyors all the time, your suppliers, what's the supply chain look like for restaurants today? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things during this whole thing that's given me, I don't know about comfort, maybe that's the wrong word, that's made me feel like a little less uh, scared is that, look, we're all in this together, right? The, the pandemic just doesn't happen to Frenchette or the restaurant business or the theater. Or what, it happens to everybody. It's happened to everybody. And I think there'll be a way to work with people maybe that there hasn't been before. I told you about our landlord being decent. I'm sure the purveyors will be, will be the same way. You know, I'm sure that they'll want to work together with restaurants because we're more aligned than ever. They need us. We need them. Same thing for the landlord, same thing for the insurance company. You know, everybody needs everyone to survive. So with that spirit and understanding, I feel like, um, we'll get through it. We'll have a, more of a chance to get through it. As for the purveyors, yes, they're struggling too. Look, um, they have millions of dollars in bills that are unpaid because restaurants operate as a week-to-week thing. There's very few restaurants are capitalized to the point where they could sustain two days closed, let alone two months or three months. So once these restaurants in New York City closed, the first thing that happened was everybody stopped paying their, their bills and just went into the mode of like, okay, we got to hunker down and, and figure this out. So all the bills stopped getting paid. And then now that we've been closed for a couple months, most places have probably laid off all their staff and have a few dollars left just for like emergency funds. So, um, you know, the purveyors, I would imagine in most places are the ones who just, stop getting paid and uh there'll have to be a real team kind of effort to uh you know uh, reestablish those um supply chain well we were talking offline that we've seen more and more purveyors online trying to sell directly to the consumer which is an interesting path for them to just try and keep their lights on yeah i mean look one of the maybe positive things that come out of this is uh if and when restaurants do come back, and by the way, New York City will come back. It may not happen tomorrow or six months from now, but you know, it's not like everyone's just going to move away. Yeah, New York City uh, will come back. People need to have that energy, have that excitement, have that um, 
dynamic in their lives. I feel like very strongly about that. Um, but, you know, one of the good things that could come out of this is that businesses find new revenue streams. Look, we're going to try this takeout and delivery model, right? Uh, it may be horrible at first. It may be okay. And then it may become part of what we do. And then a year and a half, two years from now, we may have extra revenue that we didn't even think about having. So, you know, I think all businesses like ours and purveyors are, are looking at new uh, revenue streams. And I think eventually it'll be a benefit, but right now it's strictly for uh, survival. What, one of the things I've heard about the restaurant business is that one of your biggest profit centers is, is liquor, the bar. Um, you guys have a great and lively bar at Franchette. You've had that at all the places you've worked at. If you've got a social distance, how does the bar work and what's the impact on restaurants, let alone bars? Like, is there a bar scene if we're social distancing six months from now? I mean, no, not really. You know, I was on, uh, and again, this will change. I mean, I think in the immediate opening, no. Over time, could it change? Yes. But if you're social distancing at a bar, I mean, think about a bar, as you are well aware of, given your college exploits. I, I, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a dessert guy. We've talked about that. Okay, well, uh, you go to a bar, you want to rub elbows with people. You want to meet people. You want to talk to people. You want to people watch. You want to you know, get your stool at the bar and, and strike up a conversation with, you know, an uh, interesting looking person or you overhear a conversation. None of that can happen now. Uh, you can have a bar stool six feet apart from another bar stool. No, you're just not going to have it a bar stool. And I, uh, I've had the, um, you know, the, the, the opportunity to speak, as I said earlier today, I was on this call with, with the Senator Schumer and I've been on calls with the, the mayor's office and the governor's office and, you know, a couple of people were floating around the idea of just, you're not even allowed into a restaurant unless you know the people you're interacting with and you leave all your contact information of every person that shows up with the restaurant. So in the event that there is uh, a positive test or someone and a customer being sick, you can contact everybody. So the idea of a bar coming into a bar and just like hanging out uh, for the immediate future, I don't think is, uh, is even possible. The, the New York restaurant scene, you know, as you think about it a year or two from now, and you think about New York, so much of the ethos of New York is hospitality entertainment, whether that is restaurants, bars, Broadway, nightclubs, comedy clubs, all of that, all, all of which are not social distancing. They're, they're high energy places. A lot of the things you've talked about are, are federal, like the PPP loan. Has New York City or New York State said, Look, to bring New York City back, we have to have these entertainment, hospitality, leisure things that make New York New York. Is there any talk of, quote unquote, a bailout to support industries in New York City that are the, the heartbeat of the city? Yeah, you know, um, I think bailout is the wrong word because, look, New York City and New York State, let's be honest, they're in horrible shape. Uh, these municipalities, if there could be anyone worse off than you know, the financial situation of restaurants, it, it, maybe it's the, the government, the local and state and city governments. Uh, they have all of their revenues have just been shrunk to almost nothing compared to what they usually are. And those are people that are frontline essential people. We're talking about your firemen, your, your firefighters, your police officers, your, your frontline medical workers, you know, they're going to be 
just aching for revenue. So the idea of them bailing out industries, I don't think is possible or realistic. What I do think, however, is possible and realistic is them maybe loosening the strings of our, our business and letting uh, us operate in a way, in new ways that maybe we haven't been allowed to before. Case in point, opening up streets or sidewalks to freely uh, serve onto, which, you know, kills two birds with, with one stone. It helps increase revenues and it helps people uh, being more, uh, it helps people be safe, safer from contracting, uh, you know, the virus where being inside in confined spaces helps spread the, um, spread the germs. Uh, so things like that, things like um, maybe letting us add a surcharge uh, to the bill to defray labor costs, which other parts of the country allows, but New York, you know, for whatever reason, the Consumer Protection Agency doesn't uh, let you do that. Maybe it's, uh, you know, um, adjusting certain rules about tip sharing so that the, 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 the labor costs for the restaurant could go down. Maybe it's, you know, being uh, creative with, with, with payroll tax and sales tax. Maybe it turns into a loan in the interim. Just things that, you know, things that maybe is not a bailout, but, but can help a restaurant uh, in this new dynamic um, uh, have a fighting chance to, uh, to survive. Before we end up, we should say that Franchette and, and your team were on a, a heck of a run, right? And, and I think it would be interesting for the listeners to hear about what, what the plans were pre-coronavirus. You had just come back from LA. And, and so, you know, talk a little bit about what's been going on at Franchette and, and what the plan is should the world return to normal. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. We, you know, we, in February, we, we were really lucky to cater the Vanity Fair Oscar party out there in LA. So, you know, we brought the team out there, uh, you know, it's, it's the Oscars, it's, you know, you're cooking for all the big celebrities and we're really, really excited about that. And then we, we came back home and then March happened and we all know uh, what happened in March, but, you know, we, we, we bought a restaurant a, a little while back that we were renovating uh, on 60th street called the Vaudor. Um, we were excited to open that this spring. However, those plans obviously changed. And our, and our that was the place that wasn't that on a Bourdain episode about an old school New York place. Yeah, you know, just it's a quick story. You know, uh, one of the oldest French restaurants in, in New York, and you know, as as most old things these days in New York go, uh, just couldn't really modernize. Didn't really uh, register with the modern uh, a diner and the young young maybe uh, you know internet. Uh, generations so we we thought it would be great to, to buy this place restore it to its former glory uh you know introduce a whole new generation to that kind of cooking and experience and and you know it's small and it's it's so cramped and uh, doesn't really isn't really conducive to what's going on right now so we're we're pausing that project hopefully to to open when 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 the dust settles here but that that's on hold and, uh, you know, we signed a great management agreement with Rockefeller Center. And we're, we're in the process of building a flagship restaurant uh, right on uh, 50th Street across from the tree. Um, that, of course, now is going to be pushed till open when, um, when all the dust settles. And, 
you know, we, we, we even recently bought a bakery. We were going to start a French ed bakery and, uh, that, uh, that too is on hold now. Uh, so we had another deal we were looking at that, that kind of fell apart. So look, it's uh, bad timing for sure. It's bad time for everyone. I'm sure everyone's going through the same thing. Uh, but uh, like I said, uh, we're just going to have to scratch and claw and fight and, and survive this and, and come out stronger on the other end. But when you come out stronger on the other end, there are lots of interesting things in the works, not just for Franchette, but the, the broader team that you've put in place in general. And I, I look forward to the day where I can take a walk to Franchette in Tribeca and, and have a blowfish and steak and everything else that you guys provide and go through the wine list with Jorge. So, so thank you for that, Josh. I appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing during what is a, you know, a tough time for you and your industry, but um, there will be another side. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's a pleasure. As I said, uh, you know, I think, it helps to, to let people know sort of the intricacies of what's going on in our, in our, our industry. And look, restaurants, you know, we're not curing cancer. We're not um, like the firefighters, policemen, or, or, or frontline hospital workers. But I think everyone realizes in their lives how important restaurants are and what purpose they serve. And uh, as you said earlier, they are sort of the lifeblood of, of New York. And uh, I look forward to, to the day when we can get back to, uh, to celebrating together. Josh, thanks for your time. To our listeners, any questions on this or any other topic or episodes, you can always reach me directly at mark.penzner at bernstein.com or at 212-969-6655. Always try and like us and, and share us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time, thanks. Thanks.